The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. There are never enough hours in the day, especially at this time of year when nights grow long and to-do lists even longer. Perhaps the greatest gift you could give this year is time. Not time to do, but time to be. Those are the moments Mojave's are made for. So let someone special slide into our 100% wall-lined footwear and away from the fray and the fuss. Visit mojave's.com to browse our beautifully crafted range of slippers and give the gift of time well spent. I'm Anushka Astana and this is Today in Focus. We're bringing you general election coverage every day from Hartlepool. I mean, the government talk about left behind towns and left behind places and actually that presupposes they were ever at the same starting point. To Belfast. I'm old enough to remember getting on the bus and them coming on with sniffer dogs to find out if there were bombs under the seats. We're talking to people and not just politicians to really get to the heart of this election. Subscribe now wherever you download your podcasts. Kalechi Okafor is a fitness guru, a personal trainer, womanist, twerk innovator, and pole dance instructor, whose podcast Say Your Mind is one of the most hilarious, delightful, and enlightening podcasts I listen to. I came into our conversation thinking I'd get the Kalechi we all see on social media, the Kalechi who tells people to get a straw to suck their mum, the one who calls out caucasity when she sees it, and who's built a following and a brand, not giving two shits if people think she's an angry black woman. Instead, our conversation is a deep dive into the spiritual and the numinous of those from the physical and psychic worlds who help guide her every day. And we also go deep into experiences that have had traumatic effects and how she's come out of and through them a stronger, wiser, more formidable, and more compassionate woman. I'm Josh Rivers, and I'm busy being black with Kalechi Okafor. Let's start with um, a tweet that you, a a series of tweets that I thought was really enlightening, very timely. Yes. 
the truth of the matter is that I don't have to do anything. Yes. And the titles that you're forcing on my head aren't ones I've chosen for myself. Mm-hmm. When you categorize someone, you're then able to decide on what to demand from them. Don't categorize me. Yes. Provide some context around that. So um, in the past few days, I've been getting messages from people, black women specifically, who um, have been saying to me, oh, I reached out about this and I wanted you to be involved and I wanted you to fight for this cause and I just don't feel like you were engaging with it. And those things are really hurtful to hear because I feel like I can engage as much I'm engaging as much as I can. You know, we've got to consider as well you, my, my mental health, the mental health of people who are constantly wanting to speak out about the things that affect us as a community. Because every time you speak up about something, someone will come with a counter argument um, in order to gaslight you. No matter how strong-willed you are, there's an element of that that does play on your mind and you start questioning. There's the constant questioning. Am I right? Am I doing, is, is what I'm doing right? And that plagues me. I go to bed worrying if I've said the right thing to represent us. And why am I even representing us? Because we're not a monolith. And, you know, making sure that I'm not saying things that are tone deaf and leaving out certain sections of our community, making sure the things that I'm saying aren't just generic in the sense that they end up being transphobic or homophobic. Like, And then there's all that unlearning Mm. as well. So I've got to do all of these things, plus look after my physical health, my mental health, have a relationship with my partner and that's complicated in itself when you're in an interracial relationship, Mm -hmm. yet you're speaking about racism a lot in society and what that means for me in, you know, my reality. And then having, you know, family things as well, you know, fighting for what's happening with my brother or how the police treated my brother a few weeks ago. So there are all of these things and I just think that there's only so much I can do, then I have to run the studio, then I have to go to auditions where we're constantly like rejected. You know, there's a constant rejection when you go for auditions as an actor and understanding that you just weren't suitable and carry on. There is so much that plagues your mental kind of space that I have to be very careful not to take on other people's causes when I don't even have time to deal with my own causes. Mm. So when people say, oh, I wanted you involved and you weren't, but now I'm hoping that you will be because you you hurt me by not being uh, involved the first time. There's that wording that really plays um, on me. And I just thought to myself, no, no, Mm. there has to be that boundary. If we don't set boundaries, then it just it just all becomes so wild when you're out there being hyper visible as a black woman and then hyper visible in the sense that you're a black woman that uses your social media platform to speak. Everyone feels like they have access to you, therefore ownership of you. Mm. And then that objectification begins in the way the objectification that we don't want from um, non-black people. It starts coming through in how we communicate with ourselves. And I just thought it's best to state now that I'm only doing the things that I want to do as long as I want to do them. I'm not here to be a martyr. That's not me. And I think that it's even narcissistic, that sense of martyrdom anyway. Like, oh, um, I'm here to die for the cause. No, no, (laughs) no. Yeah. Um, Kahinde Andrews says that no one person is so essential to the revolution. No. And And that's important to know because to center yourself in the progression of all of the things 
it's it's myopic and it's narcissistic mm. because we can only do things like I love tarot and one of my favorite cards in a tarot deck is the three of pentacles that shows a you know a cathedral of sorts being built and there are three people working on it you know and they're building this thing and it always reminds me of the power of community mm. you can only do so much as an individual um so when other people look to you to almost not be so accountable they want to give you their accountability and it's assuring that and saying no we all have to be accountable for ourselves that's how we win by all taking ownership of our own responsibilities and you know dealing with it in that way titles like activist titles like pro-black all of these things as helpful as some people might find it in order to be able to categorize what you do it also limits what you're able to do and who you can be not even what you can do but who you are allowed to be Mm, yeah wow yeah 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 and and that's been my whole thing <laughs> who you're allowed to wow yeah yeah Oof, that just <laughs> me up inside because it's true i mean you followed that i think your next week yeah. was something about the the, the limitations of, of these titles that i did not choose for myself yes you know i mm. go onto the news and they say what should we um refer to you as and um, we've put down here activist no i i don't want that it still ends up being the title that they use anyway. (laughs) But I've said I don't want that because then I'm an activist and then someone sees me wearing a pair of Nike trainers and like, oh my God, what about this and what about that? But I I didn't say that. Mm. Um, And those things are important because I think that all of this is a process. And in our process of unlearning and um, self-actualization, we start to discover who we are. I haven't yet discovered who I am and I don't think we ever truly discover our whole being because we discover ourselves every single day. Like there are aspects of myself and I think, rah, I didn't know that I felt that way about this. Um, But then when you have these titles, you're confined and this is who you are and this is what you must do. Yeah, and it's an oversimplification that I think happens on Twitter particularly, like this one dimensionality to Mm -hmm. ourselves. It was such an interesting thread of um, tweets to read, and I'll include them in the show yeah. notes, um, because I think that many of us feel like that, yeah. right? Like we have to be able to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bissiolimi just came under fire yeah. for for his his he's ostensibly saying the same thing, if if not a bit more yeah. forcefully, um, and I think it's a conversation that falls flat yes yeah on on social media because mm. you don't we don't have the space to talk about your humanity as it right. were right the platform isn't designed to discuss your humanity no, definitely not and definitely not designed to discuss the humanity of black people that's mm. not what is there to do to discuss the humanity of black and brown people we're constantly having these healthy debates as people like to call it um about our humanity, you know, when I looked at all the things that were happening with Serena Williams and, and you know, when we look at cases of police brutality and these things, I think it's ludicrous that we are online discussing whether someone, a human, deserves to be treated in this way. And there'll be people that will jump up and be like, well, this and, and you, they'll genuinely try to justify it. So what is that doing to our mental state to be arguing about things that are so clearly just ludicrous? You can't deny anyone's humanity you cannot point blank mm. you cannot and to sit online entertaining conversations about that that's a waste of living like we don't even know how long we're alive for yet we're discussing with people whether we're human or not it's it's ridiculous mm. and i think that that's why i've definitely taken a step back from twitter most especially 
especially with the whole um, discussion about can you be pro-black and be in an interracial relationship. I just stepped back since then because I thought people are wild and I don't want to be involved. I was watching that conversation unfold. Mm -hmm. And obviously, for obvious reasons, Mm -hmm. my social media behavior has changed a great deal. Mm -hmm. And my relationship to social media has changed Mm -hmm. a great deal since last year. Um, So I kind of now just watch and read and Mm -hmm. make notes. And I was watching the tweet storm effectively yeah. Yeah, yeah. unfold um, around your interracial mm-hmm. relationship and just kind of mouth agape because I have my own ideas about pro-blackness yeah, yeah. and whether or not I th- everyone does. Everyone, right? everyone does, has an yeah. opinion on it. Yeah. And I think we haven't, none of us really know the answer. No. And, and I think that that's healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what's unhealthy is to think that we have all of the answers to all of the questions. Rather, I think we should just spend time questioning everything. I think people... Um, and actually, sorry, there isn't actually an answer. There sorry. isn't. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there isn't and to, to me, essentially, life is just about asking questions. I question Christianity. I question the whole um, system of like religion, spirituality. I question everything. I question myself daily. I question my choices daily. Um, as someone who I... I find myself to be rather self-aware. You know, I go to therapy. I make sure that I create space for myself to really um, analyze my thoughts and my actions. So the idea of pro-blackness, I'm not really interested. As a black woman who sees the daily violence that is inflicted on black bodies as subjects in society, definitely I question my place within an interracial relationship, whether it's worth it, you know, all of these things. I question that daily and I talk about those things in order to allow for other people to know that they can talk about these things too and it's healthy to talk Mm. about these things yet people don't want to have that conversation because they'd have to deal with some truths that things aren't absolute well and it makes us feel uncertain yes right and in this fight it doesn't often feel like we have a lot of space for uncertainty right we just have to keep going, keep going. And, you know, a lot of the people that were at the forefront talking about, well, you know, because pro-blackness is a definite thing. It's a definite theory and it definitely has um, its liminality and saying that this is this and this is that. And that's fair, which is why I don't take on titles like that or any right. title, because to take on any such title brings about hypocrisy to me because you can't you can't fulfill all of those things that have been placed on you um there's a reason i call myself um a bent punani womanist and i don't call myself a feminist you know because me coining a term for myself means that i can exist as freely as i want to within that term (laughs) 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 oh that lit me up yeah but it's important mm. because if I just call myself a womanist, I'm going by what Alice Walker has decided. Right. A Ben Tepanani womanist, I like some of the things that Alice Walker has stated, but at the same time, I love Vibes Cartel. So that's what it is to it. But then there's the conflict, the um, homophobia, the misogyny, the misogynoir specifically that are in these genres that's something for me to work through. So I'm really creating space for me to figure out my rubbish within all of this. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, that that, that acknowledgement that we each have our own. I talk about this a lot, I feel like. Mm. How do we make space for each other? In that there needs to be acknowledgement that we all bring with us to every single conversation and every single space, yeah. everything we're carrying. Yes, literally <laughs> right. everything. It's so, even when we think we've left it somewhere, yeah. it's there. It's there. Right. We're just carrying all of these bags. We're just carrying all of these bags. And that's okay because we're on a journey. And it's like when I was in South Africa doing that special forces show, we had a Bergen. So we had everything that we would ever need in that Bergen um, for shelter, for clothing, for food. For everything's in that Bergen. And I feel like that's, for me, a metaphor for our lives. Everything that we've got, we've got it. 
in our baggage we've got mm. everything that we need and we defend that baggage right. sometimes i think right but we need to be able to look through it and be and think okay maybe this is making my stuff really really heavy and i don't need it so i can take it out and sometimes the things that we need for our survival and our living are in the bag as well but we haven't even looked that deep to find it so we can use it instead we're asking other people for their things so that's important to me and I'm just here, the reason I'm on social media is because I'm effectively sharing the process of looking through my burger and to find my things. Now to, for someone to go, oh, well, why are you doing this? And why did you bring that out? That's useless. No, because it's all part of my process. Right. Yeah, your social media is actually for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds like such a radical <laughs> idea, <right? laughs> It's for you. I essentially yeah. tweet for me. I've always tweeted for me. I, I, it became such a weird thing when hundreds of people started responding to me because I was like, I wasn't talking to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you are in a public forum, you have to accept that people are talking back. But yeah. essentially, I was just talking to myself. Yeah. So people are like, oh, spoiler alert. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, you haven't watched it. Sorry, there are other people here. God. <laughs> but... um. I think that that's just important. I don't want to perform. I don't want to, um, I'm a performer, but I don't want to perform humanity and I don't want to perform my womanhood. I just want everything to be as it is, as imperfect as it is. And I want that for other people as well, to be allowed that space. Mm. As long as it doesn't cause harm to other people, but yeah. just to be allowed that space. Yeah, because that it's getting smaller, that space. Yes. Virtually non-existent sometimes. Yeah. And the spaces that you think that you can have these conversations like panel discussions and things like that, you find that actually, no, you can't have those conversations because other people aren't ready to discuss it in such a candid way that we haven't got this right. None of us have because we're still figuring it all out and we probably never will get it right because there's no right. That's the whole reason that we're here. We're here having a human experience to just experience the messiness of being human. We are perfect as spiritual divine beings, but we chose this specific experience to feel the messiness of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> My friend was saying that your spirit chooses a body, mm -hmm. right? It chooses an experience. Yes. Yeah, I feel that a lot. I think so. And I think that if we look at life from that perspective... You just think to yourself, okay, why did I choose this one? And what 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 am I here to learn? What am I here to learn? So in any situation, like there, you know, I was just coming from having dealing with them, um, my brother's uh, court cases and things like that, and I just think to myself, okay, rather than getting frustrated about the legal system in this country, why did I choose this family? Why did I choose this body? Why did I choose this particular time to be here? What do I want to learn from this? Because right now I'm just angry, but there's something there. That's huge. So, it's messy. It's, it's, it's really, really messy. But we are not here by accident. As much as people would have us believe that it's just a scientific... Woo -woo -woo. Um, science is part of all of this. It's inextricably linked to spirituality. It's all one, really. So, why did we choose to be here now? What is it about this particular moment in history that is going to change everything? Mm. I think it's beautiful, this idea of, of spirituality and of recognizing that spirituality in ourselves. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with um, Reverend G.D. McCauley, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that was very much about how we as queer black people come back into our relationship with God, mm -hmm. if that's the route we've chosen, yes. right? Um, and, and that's not the same for everybody. And how we heal from those wounds that have mm -hmm. been caused. And I say that to say, you know, I, I was raised in the black church mm -hmm. in the South, and... 
I've moved away from that church, but more towards the spirituality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because I feel like there is something. There is something. There's something because I should be dead. Right. Yeah, here <laughs> we are. Here we are. Here we are. And here we are having this conversation. Yes. So that spirituality has come up is is a thread I want to pull. Yeah. What? How would you? I don't even know how to ask that question. But what was your? How How do you encounter your spirituality? The same, you know, growing up in a black church, um, growing up in Peckham, South London, you know, coming from Nigeria, people definitely having their view about God and how God operates, which is very interesting to me that God operates like a human. And I just think that God, in essence, is beyond that because where we are in our understanding is very limited. And I look at all of the things that we've done throughout history as humans, and I just think, no, like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, not God, 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 yeah, God <laughs> wouldn't do this. God wouldn't do this. Um, but understanding also, because I think for me, the hardest thing was understanding free will and how free will works, because you told me that we all have a destiny. But then at the same time, you told me we have free will. So what? what is it? Yeah, and both ends. Right. So then I went back to what makes sense. And for me, that's Yoruba spirituality. And it's interesting to me the way that it's been vilified throughout history. And that is not a mistake. That was definitely something that was done by the missionaries when they came to Nigeria in order to, I guess, take away our power. Mm. They came and they took away our power by giving us a form of Christianity because I know that Christianity predates the missionaries actually arriving in Nigeria anyway. But the fact is that they brought a certain brand of it with them that was very much about white supremacist patriarchy in order to get us to fall in line and to accept the atrocities of colonization and the transatlantic slave trade. They did all of this and they moved us away from our power. So how do we get that back? It's like, uh, I know Paolo Coelho, not everyone likes that book, The Alchemist, Mm. but I think what was important to me was that the boy went back to where he first started and that's where his treasure was, where he first started. And for me, that's where my treasure is. My Mm. treasure is in um, Yoruba um, spirituality, Yoruba deities, and looking at how it makes sense when it's explained in that form that there are there are these deities that answer to one overarching force, but they are all facets of that force. So whether it's earth, wind, fire, water, they're all facets of that force. And they're here, you can petition each one in order for a specific thing, but they all still have to answer back to that overarching force. And we say in Yoruba, um, if someone says to you, um, which means your head is not correct, I used to think, like, what? How's your, how's your head not correct? Um, but it's because we believe that when you are still in spirit form, you choose a head like a mask. You choose a head from all of the ones that are there and you choose one and you wear that and that's how you enter into the physical form. You've chosen a destiny, essentially. You've picked it up and how you fulfill that destiny, that's where the free will comes in, but you've picked it up. And, wow. take, and, but, and so that head might be chipped. That head might have, um, you know, imperfections as it were. And so that that's really where the phrase, etymologically, that's where the phrase comes from. Wow. But people obviously use it, language changes. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. So I, um, my mum is always particular about don't let people touch the top of your head because that's where your ori, that's where your, your higher self resides, which is interesting because the crown chakra is also the top of your head. So the truth in spirituality never changes regardless of which part of the world we're Speak. looking at. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. The essence of it is still there. Mm. We talk about chakras as well in Yoruba, um, you know, spirituality, but we talk about it differently. So that means that there is an essential truth. 
and everyone has just kind of refracted it to suit political means. So for me, spirituality, it doesn't matter where I am in the world, we all agree that this is where our highest self resides. We talk about auras, we talk about everything, it's all residing here. Um, and you pray to your higher self to not accept the things that will make life harder for you in this physical realm. So I'm always petitioning my higher self and saying, don't accept anything that will make this physical experience unnecessarily difficult. I already know that I chose a like a difficult experience, but mm. let's not make it harder. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to sit with that. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I enjoy it. I enjoy learning. That's why I'm unapologetically into my tarot because we have guides with us all of the time before we came into the physical form. I believe we chose like a team to project manage this particular journey. Uh, yet we enter and we're isolated from it because we feel like we need to go through the middleman, a pastor and think things like that, a priest. We need them to explain to us what's happening that this is an this is an allegory for life right let's just <laughs> right let's just uh, go directly to the source let's do it ourselves yes yeah and and i think that that's what's empowering and i think that's why so many uh, uh black people are moving back to things like tarot and things like that because they want to access this themselves if we don't tap into the divinity that we've all been born with we'll just keep giving away our power every day you better stop <laughs> 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 it's true yeah but because we live in a system that's designed to strip us of all that power yes and so i think that in many ways words like divinity and spirituality can seem a bit woo woo yeah, yeah, right? yeah, because yeah. they've been they've been made to feel woo woo yes right a yeah. bit superfluous yes you know and indeed i think that there are so many kind of um valid and understandable questions yes. around the role of the divine mm -hmm. in lives that can be taken so quickly and yes. in such brutal ways. Yes. And so I guess my question then links back to your spirituality and this asking of your higher self. Does this help you kind of paradoxically bring you back down to earth and, and into the moment? Definitely. I feel like it humbles me. I think to know that there are sources higher than you mm. and to give over to them. So whenever I'm heading somewhere or I'm doing a talk and it's a big talk, or even when I went onto the BBC to talk about what happened with Serena Williams, that morning I wanted to wear my T-shirt that said, why be racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, where you could just be quiet. amazing to see that on the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, what I did actually, on the morning when I had to go, I put my t-shirt on. I didn't take another t-shirt with me. I knew that there would be the possibility of someone saying, oh, could you change that right. top? I didn't take another t-shirt <laughs> with me, but I sat there and I meditated and I prayed and I said to my spirit guides, anybody that's going to have anything to say about this top before I get on air, tie their lips just tie their lips no one make it so that it's just hazy their vision's hazy like they just don't even take into account what this top means and what the impact is going to have to have that on national tv that is what i petitioned and then i got there and i took off my uh, leather jacket and no one seemed to say anything i was like la 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 <laughs> <laughs> walked onto the set and it's literally when they were like five four three two one someone looked over like huh <laughs> It's like, we're going now. We're live now. We're live now. Got to go through with it. But, um, to others, that might be coincidence. But for me, it's just realising that um, I'm only such a minute part of all of this. 
So I need to ask for help all of the time. So if there's any way that through synchronicity, through just um, a series of fortunate events, things can work in my favour, let me ask that it's so. And I think that even thinking that mindset shifts your perspective of life. And you start to see the ways that you have been helped. Like, I had a miscarriage earlier on this year. I'm sorry. Thank you. And it's it's... It's so easy at one point to be angry at everybody and be like, well, everyone said this was going to be okay. Everyone said that this was going to be smooth. Everyone says it's so easy. And at the same time, you've got other people that say, oh, um, miscarriages happen all the time. It's so common. That doesn't stop it hurting any Mm -hmm. less. But actually what that did for me was remind me of how little control we have over things. And rather than thinking about why me, why me, why me, just think like, why not me and what now? And that's really what I thought to myself. It allowed me to think to myself, okay, this happened. I believe that this was part of an experience that I chose before I got here. Regardless if if science can explain it, anything else, of course, science can explain a lot of things, but that doesn't take away the spiritual aspect of it. So why did I choose this experience for myself? And for me, ultimately, it's so I could engage in a way that I've been unable to engage before. Like one of my greatest fears is loss, losing loved ones. And I, uh, you know, in the past, would not get into meaningful relationships because I've already preempted it ending. Mm-hmm. So I would always hold back. So loss has been something yeah. that. Sorry, I'm having, <laughs> I'm having a <laughs> So, you know, loss has been something that I've been scared of. So, how about you've now lost this thing? Now what? And I really had to realise that I spent so much time not living in the experience because I was scared of losing the experience. But I never had the experience in the first place because I just didn't even allow myself time. So for me to lose in that way, as it were, I gained so much perspective in that loss will always happen. That doesn't mean that the universe, that doesn't mean that God does not love me. Things happen. Now, what does that mean about me? How do I use that experience, not just to benefit myself and to learn for myself, but possibly to um, help other people? And so many women that I never knew that they'd had similar experience, uh, similar experiences started messaging me and they said that happened to me and I just think, didn't think it was something that we could speak about online. I thought it was something to be shamed of, so I never mentioned it. There is power, I think, in, in, in looking at our losses and just looking at them for what they are. And so, yeah, bad things happen. There's no explanation for it. And I don't like when people are like, oh, well, it was God's plan. But sometimes we need to see that it's part of a greater plan. And do we learn from it or do we allow it to just make us rot? Hmm. (laughs) I'm thinking about the power. Mm. The power I feel when you speak and imagining that I have that power somewhere within me. And you do. Mm. And I just, you know, I, this idea that we've chosen, like, I guess I knew it. Mm. So Oprah calls an aha moment. Like yeah. this, this, <laughs> yeah. You knew it already, but mm. someone else helped you uncover it. And I, I'm, I'm having trouble putting the, th- the thought together, mm-hmm, but they're mm-hmm. all there. It, we choose this, we've pre-chosen, right? We've chosen this head, mm-hmm. right? Because... This is the path. This is the lesson. This is the route that we've chosen. Yes. And so kind of there's something really powerful in to reminding ourselves that we've chosen this. Yes. It, it comes back to the individual, mm-hmm. right? Which kind of as 
a queer activist, mm-hmm. we try to pull away from mm-hmm. the individual and kind of talk about the larger movement mm-hmm. because we're all one moving towards the same yeah. thing. And this individualism is a very capitalistic mm-hmm. way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very kind of limited way of Definitely. looking at our individuality, mm-hmm. which has been co-opted and so I'm I'm, this is really blowing my mind this idea that we are an individual and we are on an individual journey yes that then may connect into the journeys of others because we're human and we're alive (laughs) but that when we're faced with something ourselves Mm. our own hurdles our own battles that it is not to look to other people really Or to blame other people, yeah. but rather to say this is part of the journey. This is part of it. Which now that I've said it, sounds really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it feels that way. And I think that some of the things for us are looking at us in the face all of the time. Mm. And this is why I like to consider the fact that um, spirit guides are there because I can ask a question in the morning and then I'll see someone's T-shirt that I'm sure they wear every day. But that is my answer right there. Or a billboard and that is my answer right there. I'm like, well, I've walked past that before. <laughs> yeah. why, why now? Because that's when the yeah. message was ready for me and I think that to strip away our individuality within this movement that we're part of in uh, you, you know in realizing our power as black people across the diaspora is to deny I think a lot of queer people as well their space to live their lives because everyone's so comfortable you being part of the movement like Black Lives Matter all of that being part of or Black Panthers even like being part of this thing but don't you ever speak about your sexuality because we're not ready to deal with that yet mm-hmm. so, so then mm-hmm. how can you have me have my energy but you're denying me my freedom to express that energy in its fullness that is a violence and so we inflict violence on each other by not allowing for this space like every you get so many people that can be online daily talking about you know black lives and we need to think about this and we need to think about that but you the moment you say what about the disproportionate number of trans women who die well, God mm. says, oh, <laughs> wow. So suddenly you remember what God has now said. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's unfair. Mm. It's unfair. It's, it's, it's a way of kind of, I think, perpetuating the same objectification that we get from white supremacist patriarchy in the sense that I want your service as a black body, but I don't want your humanity. Mm-mm. And that is not going to happen. I just think that, no, well, you can't have well, me then. Yeah. And that's why it's important for us to keep our individuality as well as being part of the cause because that's the specific power the unique power that we bring to it none of this works ah and that can't be taken as well right okay yeah 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 it's it's, i think like it's just a thing it looks like white light but within that there are so many colors and you're asking me to not have my color Mm. but then you can't have your white light yeah 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 yes whoa (laughs) It's all coming together. (laughs) Also so unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, because I think all of us are in some ways, and uh, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I think some of us, so many of us Mm -hmm. are trying to get back the power that we feel has been robbed. Yes. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so we look for that power elsewhere, or at the very least, we look for examples of that power elsewhere. And that, like busy being black, can Mm -hmm. be a very great um, nudge for people, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think busy being black is simply a mirror, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? If you you see something or hear something on busy being black, it's because it's in you. It's in you already. For you to to have that affinity with this platform, it was already in you. Mm. And that's what's important. We gravitate, whether we like it or not, the higher self is always working. So we gravitate towards the things, the tools and the people that we need in order to fulfill that destiny that we said we are here to complete. Mm. 
So you don't know why you just like some people. You don't have anything in common, yeah. but you just like that person and you gravitate towards those people because they are part of it. I always speak about um, destiny helpers and that I feel like I've got so many of them so many people who um, listen to my podcast have said, oh, why don't you come and be part of this project? Or why don't you come and do this? Or they see me on Twitter. Why don't you come and do this? They're part of helping me to fulfill my destiny because there's their higher self saw my higher self and said, yes, this is what we planned. Right. Let's get on with it. What is your destiny? I feel like my destiny is to let the world know that we can all be baby girls, baby boys, baby non-binaries, baby people. They literally live our best life. And it's what you said about power, that we have this illusion of the theft of our power when we, we've never lost it. We're just desensitized from realizing it, you know, that it's with us still. Yes. And every time we try to um, realize it, someone goes, no, 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 no. Think about the way that suddenly all of these department stores care about white sage and tarot and, you know, all of these, um, what is considered the occult, they suddenly now care about it because they understand that the power is in there. But if you commodify it, if you can make it a corporate venture, then you still control how people use it. And when you want them to let go of it, you'll take it back again. Suddenly, corporations love activism. Yeah. They love all of this stuff. They yeah. love all of that. But it's because they can control it if they give it to you, you know, in that, mm-hmm. in that form. Um, I love watching Queen Sugar. And um, Nova was offered a book deal. And I just remember specifically one of the publishers saying to her, yeah, we want to make you bigger than grassroots. We can make you global. And I thought, but that's it. That's how they get you. You get that book deal and you move from your grassroots and you go elsewhere and you become global. Therefore, meaning that you have to have the answer for all of the people. Right. Mm. Where if corporations suddenly are interested, it's because they realise what you could do with your individual power and they need to bring you back into the fold. Yeah, and this isn't linked to corporations, mm. but it's linked to but it's linked to that to that individual power. And I got goosebumps because I was thinking about my sexual assault. Oh god. And how I, I just written a piece about it mm. and you know, that I thought I said it was a theft of my power. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But actually, as you were speaking, I was like, maybe it wasn't a theft of my power, but rather in that moment, I realized that people will try and take, take it. Yes, yes. And I'm and sorry so, that happened. That's mm, horrendous. It happens, right? My yeah. friend said the other day, I'm sure you know this, but you're in good company, mm. right? which I thought was a really short and powerful way of, of saying of, me too. Right? Yeah, and really, yeah. really, um, as a child, you know, um, and I speak about it whenever... I'd get the chance about being, um, you know, as a child, about six, seven years old and being uh, sexually abused by my child minder's brother. So he would have been full, 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 full adult, you know, doing these things. And it's just like you said, like, I shouldn't be here now. So there has to be something because I shouldn't be here now. Mm. And so many years of just silence and shame and feeling dirty and not being able to speak about these things and realizing that what that was what was happening there was that I thought that my power had been taken mm. or my innocence and you know everything had been taken in that instance and how do you then navigate life when that innocence is gone and therefore your childhood is gone and I grew up raising my brothers and I sometimes say like grew up raising my mum as well And I think that that's an interesting dynamic. Like we chose, I feel like you choose your mothers, you choose the channel that you enter this world through. Mm. So no matter how tempestuous the relationship is, you chose this channel to enter the world through. Why? Mm. 
and I look at my mum and you know the relationship I have with her and I think to myself maybe in another life I don't know how but there was a difference in this dynamic maybe I was the mother or something but right. because I very much feel like I'm helping her learn in this physical it's a chance realm. for you to do it right yes. this time right um and so that's <laughs> been interesting to me and how it felt like the power had gone and so i just became so dead inside and like desensitized from everything and i remember having a specific dream where i was um in a morgue but i was looking at myself in the morgue and I was so upset and I remember crying in the dream and then crying, you know, physically when I woke up and I was like, but I haven't done anything. I haven't changed the world. I haven't done this. And I started listing all of the things that I hadn't done. Mm. And when I woke up, to me, that was it. That's why I'm here. All of the things that I listed looking at myself then was the reason why I want to be here. And that's the reason why I need to stay alive and why I'm not gone yet. So I had to go to therapy and reconnect with self so I wasn't dead inside so I could actually do these things that I said I wanted to do so badly and I think that that was the pivotal moment for me being in my 20s and realising that all that time I'd essentially been in a morgue in myself <sighs> yeah. you made a morgue of your body right wow this this uh, you know allegedly living thing or supposedly living thing that I'm using this vehicle but I wasn't connecting with it I was just gone yeah it's 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 taken me a long time to realize just the depths mm. of distrust mm -hmm. that that singular experience created mm -hmm. within me, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. it, I, I felt it just the other day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was speaking to an older man, because uh, he was twice mm -hmm. my age. And uh, I was speaking to an older man, and I, was, I heard myself thinking, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Mm -hmm. You want something from me. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and it's not true. It isn't, but it's the way that we start to yeah. look at the world. Yeah, and, yeah. And we're hypervigilant. We're hypervigilant and we start to think about everything as transactional and why are you here? Because you, you're you going to hurt me in the same way, but it's because the, the, the part of us that has been wounded and hurt, it's like, we can't let this happen again. Yeah, we got to protect your power. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are you, are you noticing? So that means that everyone is kept out mm. but if they're all kept out then we're kept in so th that's where the loneliness comes from yeah yeah and it's the isolation mm -hmm. it's it's the and not that there isn't you know um people who you know people have been through it mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and you can have conversations with people mm -hmm. but you know after everything happened last year mm -hmm. i remember i wrote because I, I kept like a diary of mm -hmm. how i was feeling in the aftermath one of the things I wrote was, like, no one tells you what happens when your friends go home and when your mom pits down the phone, mm. right? And you're just kind of, like, sitting there on your own. Mm. And th there's, and I think that's linked to, this all linked to this power, mm -hmm, this spirituality, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to anchor ourselves to something, mm -hmm. right? And so when you're talking about your, your destiny helpers yeah. and petitioning for things, mm. it's just such a beautiful reminder that all around us, are people yes. and um, spirits yeah, ready to help ready to help like eager to help mm. and having that perspective suddenly gave me some peace not all of the peace because you, we're, we're human and we're yeah, living in this society peace, yeah. yeah but just some peace in that <clears throat> I can be in an empty room but I know that it's not empty because there are there are forces waiting for me to acknowledge them so they can help me because you're just struggling and it's like just that imagery of you're struggling and you're doing all of this stuff. And then like, if this girl could just let us just 
just do some of this. Like, she's yeah. just doing a lot right now, but we could actually do a lot of this. And so when my... A delegate. When right? And that's, that's what they're there for. Right, right. Like, we're the project manager of this particular destiny, but they're there to do the work. Yeah, we're like, no, I've got it. Yeah, I've yeah. I've got it. Or, no, I'm definitely going the hard way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't worry. I know that this is the scenic route. It'll be fine. And... So I, <laughs> so I love those memes where they kind of show you they're like this is how your spirit guide is looking at you when you make the next like your hundredth bad decision like god why let, why just let us help so I love it and um when my dad passed away um I got into the habit of speaking out loud so I if I'm in an empty room I'm, I'm alone in my flat I just speak out loud and I just say things that are happening and the first few times that I did it I cried my eyes out. I just cried and Why? cried and cried because it was suddenly a feeling of release. You know, this room is essentially physically empty, but then I was speaking to my dad out loud and, you know, any guides that were listening and I was just able to say, like, this feels so hard. This feels so hard and everything just feels so terrible. Like, you know... I'm expected to get up and do things and I don't want to do the things yet I know that if I were to stop I just wouldn't feel like there's any point in actually being here so I know that it's linked to my purpose and I want to do more but I'm just so tired and saying that in this room and suddenly feeling a sense of release and I cried and cried and cried and then eventually it just turned into a conversation, just a funny conversation. Um, you know, sometimes something would happen and I, and I would say it out loud in the room and it's just funny to hear it back. And I do it still because it's just a reminder that I'm not alone, even when spaces physically look empty, I'm not alone. And, and I think that my quality of life has improved since realising that for myself. Others might see it as, I don't know, a coping mechanism or whatever you want to call it in that sense. But the fact is I've suddenly realised all those times that, you know, I was lonely and I hadn't spoken to my mum about the abuse and I hadn't spoken to anyone and I just felt like I was alone. I wasn't because when I look at all the coincidences in my life and the people that I randomly met, mm, as it mm, were, mm. no, the, ev- everything was there for me. I just wasn't seeing it for that. I'm, my mind is totally blown, Clutch. <laughs> 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 I had a conversation with Lady Phil this morning. Yes. And I was like, you know, I'm in conversation with Kalechi mm. and I'm very self-conscious about asking black women stupid man questions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so I was like, help, right? Like I'm, I'm in my man head and I've got lots of stupid man questions mm. to ask. Um, and I d- this, and so this has gone in a way that I didn't expect and it's beautiful. Good. Thank you. I'm glad. Because Phil wrote about this actually. Lady mm. Phil wrote about the t- reclaiming the tenderness as mm-hmm. part of the fight. It's probably a good place to, to close on. Mm. We've got 10 minutes. Mm. Lady Phil wrote um, in a, a UK Black Pride blog mm-hmm. post about the Sister Anthology, mm-hmm. which is a collection of um, yeah. women loving women. Yeah. Um, that when you, when you put all those stories together, mm. um, they're not actually all about loss and fighting and struggle and survival. Mm-hmm. They're actually about joy. Yes. And they're about reclaiming our tenderness. Yes. And I thought that's a really beautiful rumination that I think links to this, though we haven't said it explicitly. Mm. 
and I think that that's the important thing. We can, we have to be careful not to kind of synonymize blackness with suffering and struggle and struggle because yes, it's a very real reality. But for us to have gotten this far, that's we can only do that from a positive energy. And then there's been hope, and hope is one of my favorite paintings um it was up i don't know if it's still up at the tate britain but i remember going as a very young child um in primary school and seeing this painting on the wall and it's a figure because i know that um watts gh watts he did um a, a series of them hope and all of the uh you know the virtues as they were but that's the one that's become most popular and there's a uh, woman sitting on the world and the world looks dank and she's got a blindfold on so we imagine that she's blind and um we know that i think she's she might not be um, able to hear as also but she's got a lyre in her hand like a little harp and it's only got one string on it all of the rest is broken and it's very gray and dark and yet she's got her ear very close to it and she's trying to make as much music from the one piece of string that she can and I saw that after, you know, th that would have probably been uh, three years or so after my uh, um, abuse. But I saw that painting and it became the backdrop on everything that I had from that point onwards when it was like MSN and even now on my phones. Like that is my backdrop because to me that is the embodiment of everything that I'm here for, making as much music out of the piece of string that we've got, mm. just making something out of all of this. Um, that's why I try to balance even my social media page. If I've been talking about something institutional, systemic that affects us all, I might pop up the next minute and I'll be like twirling around on a pole or just doing something frivolous because, you know, it's you have to just remember the joy. You have to. But it, otherwise, this just, we don't get anywhere. You're just sick with worry. And I think we're strengthened by reminding the world and ourselves that we are tender and we are vulnerable and we have the capacity for endless amounts of joy. So just to look for that as much as possible. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm having my eye. <laughs> having such a great time. What do you hope for? I hope for a day that I can be in Nigeria and have a performing arts school that allows for children that don't have um, money or much money to be able to grow and be some of the best performers in the world. And they haven't been limited because one, they're black or that they don't have money, but they have access to all of the things so they can realize their dreams. I, I'm not, blind to the fact that because my mum brought me over here to England at such a young age, I've been afforded privileges and um, opportunities that wouldn't have been available to me had I stayed in Nigeria. And it's important for me, you know, as we're saying in this conversation, to go back to the source. Nigeria is important to me and it's there are so many people like myself there that, that need that they need a chance to realise their dreams and I am somebody else's destiny helper, so I just need to get to work. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Back to the source. Mm. We have a few minutes. Yeah. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? No, I think we we got through a lot. We, we just we, you just went off. We just went off somewhere. I, I mm. love this happened the other day with um, FKA. Oh. We had like 
I, I had a very clear idea. Yes. And I was, we're going to talk about this. And then got into sex and drugs and just like, we were all the way over there. And I was like, how did we get here? That's, but it just. It's nice when that happens. It's beautiful. Though. It's just because what needs to come out will come out. Yes. Right? What people want to talk about. My job is to create the space. So that we can talk about and it. To, and to show up in my yeah. fullness, ready to bear bear all. And that's what that's what I loved when, you know, we were um, speaking via email and stuff. And, I, and you said, you know, um, you mentioned Brene Brown mm-hmm. and vulnerability. And I thought, I'm so excited. It's looking forward to the moments of nakedness that you don't often get to have. Yeah. It's it's nice it's it's really really nice not how did you start your studio how did you do this how did, i enjoy those conversations cool but i just think that there's so much more that we could be talking about and somebody needs the conversation i listen to so many like different podcasts and i realize in just some of the passing things that they say that oh i needed that yeah ab- all the time all the time in the most random places i needed to hear that yeah and so I think that the conversations go where the people who are going to access them need it to go. Yeah, and um, I, it's no secret to anyone that I'm mm. really inspired by Oprah. Mm. And um, I had that vulnerability mm-hmm. <clears throat> moment really came um, last August. I was on my first holiday in probably a year, mm-hmm. and I was in Barcelona. Mm. And I was um, trying to stay away from like drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I booked all these hiking trips mm-hmm. around the city. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, day two. Mm-hmm. I was climbing up, well, walking up really, it's not really mm-hmm. a climb, to Castle Montjuic. Okay. And I was listening to the conversation with Brene Brown and Oprah. Mm-hmm. And I got to the top literally at the same time as Brene Brown saying, shame can't survive the light. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these tourists oh. around and I was crying. <laughs> I was wow. like, it's so true. Yeah. And she said, you know, you put shame in a peach tree dish with darkness and silence yeah. and it grows and, and it, it grows, just grows yeah. exponentially. Yeah. But if you put it, if you, if you put light on it and you put conversation on it, it cannot survive. Exactly. And I was like, ah, I've mm. got to talk about all of the stuff that I'm carrying that mm-hmm. causes me shame. And then I bumped into a quote from James Baldwin. Mm. And James Baldwin said, I decided to allow no room in my life for things that cause me shame. Yes. And I was like, again, it's the universe giving me a nudge and saying, if you talk about it, you'll be fine. You'll be fine and it can't be weaponized against you. Mm. And this is why I talk about all of these things, you know, like interracial relationships, like my, um, you know, um, sexual abuse as a child and all of these things. I talk about all of these things because you can't use something against me that I've already given you. Mm. It's not possible because I've created power for myself and, you know, I'm utilizing my power by speaking about those things on my terms. Yeah, because they're your experiences. They're my experiences. and, And, you know, they're, our experiences to share as we see fit. And that's why I think like my, my therapist is so amazing because she um, specifically told me that bit um, from Brene Brown and she was just like, you need to shine the light in every corner. If you think of yourself as a grand old mansion, go into those rooms that you're clearly avoiding. <laughs> go yeah. into there, open the windows, <laughs> let the light in. Yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, yeah. you're like, why? Not a, not a chance, yeah. <laughs> no, staying closed. <laughs> Can I just live in this one room? <laughs> There's a kitchen in this room. There's food. I'm good. I'm I'm good. 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 But I understand I need to go into every room in the house. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to learn. And that shame only has as much power as we give it. It, Yeah, yeah, you've said it. (laughs) It only has as much power as you give it. Mm. Yeah, it literally can't survive it. And And I've... 
<laughs> I was going to say, and it's interesting that that's the only thing that's weaponized against us constantly. Shame, shame, mm. shame. When people do these things online where they, I don't know, put up uh, videos of people, whether they try to out them or whether they try to, you know, um, videos of a girl or um, a woman or whatever um, in the middle of sexual intercourse, whatever they decide to use in that moment, they're weaponizing shame. Like, if I put right. this out about you, you'll be shamed into, like, um, you know, retreating. Yeah. Um, and so I'm glad that there are some laws that are now like, no, you can't do that. That's actually a criminal offence. So you can't put up videos about people and you can't do this and you can't do that because it's taking away that power that they have to use shame against other people. Mm. And and it's it's just really, really important. And that's in the way. But it, the laws can only go so much, can only do, yeah. so, um, do so much and go so far. Like Patrice Culler says, you can't write out racism. You can't. Yeah. You can't. So what's happening in the day to day, you know, to change these things? Um, even when we look at racism, I know that there was that video of that police officer and, you know, this guy was just like insulting her and insulting her. Oh, yeah. And so N-word, many yeah. people turned around and said, wow, this is how everyone should behave towards racism. Just ignore us. Oh, wow, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should be silent and stoic. Still. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, because we've been doing that for a really long right. time. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. So it's a, it's a different way of using that shame of going, well, if you just did it this way, things would be so much better. Yeah, also, I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. actually, because people use grace and silence mm-hmm. as if it were weakness. Yes. Does, does that make yeah, sense? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, yeah, well, you know, just let it be. Turn yeah. the other cheek. And, and But I think that there's a, there's a definite kind of piety that they that, that's pushed on us that people want us to accept that you know forgiveness and everything just do these things and and just let it go um and you'll be the better person for it how does it make you mad taking the high road i i don't like it <laughs> i try to avoid it on the sat nav of life i don't want to i believe if you go low i can definitely go lower right. let's just do petty limbo that's what i want to do right right but as much as like you don't want to operate in such low vibrations and stuff sometimes people just need to be reminded that i won't always be the bigger person and i won't always take the higher road i'll meet you where you're at and that's where we're going to tussle and that i guess that that's what my social media essentially is about i'm not going to say all of these things to appease people and to appear balanced and you know in my perception of perception of things no i just want to get rude yeah. there are other people <laughs> there are other people who are there to give you all of the academic takes on all of this i'm just here to tell you about yourselves yeah balance i tell you what <laughs> when you, the the suck your <laughs> <laughs> it's such joy to me. I don't know why. It really makes me happy <laughs> to just be as uncouth as possible. Yeah, these people have no choice, you know, in terms of <laughs> networks, have no choice but to follow me because they're like, what is she doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is she doing? Also, when you told uh, on the BBC, okay, well, Russell needs to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I was beside myself. <laughs> I just, I just, you, she just brought her blackness all on the BBC. Just, <laughs> just plopped it there. Because up until that point, I was really trying to behave. Okay, Russell needs to calm down. Russell needs to just, and you know, I wanted to say something completely different, but I was just like, okay, it's the BBC, so just say it. Russell needs to calm down. But it's, um, I think that what I'm learning about that is just walking in my truth and, and standing in my truth and not 
coming on these places, on these platforms to be this academic. That's not what I'm here to do. I have that knowledge, that's cool. But I'm here to just be another person, human, saying that this is how I see things and this is how I'm saying it for the people that are shunned for speaking in certain ways and using certain abonics and things like that. And you're saying that you're not going to listen to their voices because they're not saying it the way that you want them to say it. So how about I access this space and I still say it the way that they want it to be said. So you're going to have to deal with it. Mm. deal with it <laughs> just deal with it yeah, we've, like we've had moment. to deal with things for de- centuries you know the next yeah. time I take a straw on I'll be like la la la, la. <laughs> <laughs> Russell needs this yeah. <laughs> hold up the straw <laughs> yeah there'll be so many confused people like why did she have a straw yeah, what's that mean? Yeah. what was that what's that then yeah. they'll find out yeah they'll google yeah, yeah then after the fact they'll be enraged <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm glad. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Kalechi. Thank you for having it's me. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. It's been wonderful. Kalechi Yakafor's podcast, Say Your Mind, is a must listen. And you can find out more about her work and life by following the links in our show notes. Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer black lives. Thank you to our partners, UK Black Pride and Blackout UK, and to you, the listeners. Remember this your support doesn't cost any money. Retweets, shares, ratings, and reviews all help. So please keep the support coming. Finally, thank you to Anthony Giles, a queer black Grammy nominated producer based in New York City for these bomb ass busy being black beats. Ashe. you study an animal so elusive it's known as the ghost of the mountain for researchers at the snow leopard trust the answer is artificial intelligence by using microsoft ai to analyze thousands of remote camera images for snow leopards a task that used to take days is now done in minutes so researchers have more time to save this threatened species see how microsoft ai helps us protect our environment at microsoft.com forward slash ai Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.